Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. This is our 200th episode. What? That's amazing. How is that even possible? Those last 50 or so really flew by. How will we decide what this episode should be about? Oh, I got it. How about teeth? Our 200th episode. Get it? Ooh, I like it. But what about an episode about bees and honey? For episode number 200? Hmm, we did just cover bees and honey a few months ago, so... Oh, right, yeah. Hmm. Oh, oh, I got got it. I got it. Check it out. So when you're celebrating the 200th anniversary of something, you say it's the bicentennial. So logically, this episode should be our... Bicentennial! About the sun. Naturally. Makes perfect sense. And like a spaceship launch, we can count down to the start of the episode. 200. 199. Who's with me? 198. 197. Or or, or how about... Three, two, one. is Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and our co-host today is Colin from Jamestown, Colorado. Hi there, Colin. Hi, Molly. Thank you for being here to co-host our 200th episode. And I'm wondering, how many episodes of Brains On do you think you've heard? Well, I think I've heard around 100 because we usually listen to Brains On in the car when we're on road trips. Nice. So do you have a favorite episode? I'd say my favorite was um, the one about time travel a couple weeks ago. If you could travel anywhere in time, where would you go? Um, Back to when my cat was a little um, kitten before we got him, hmm. so like I could know what his life was like. That's awesome. Everyone loves kittens. And, you know, you are curious about the sun and space. You sent in a really cool question about solar flares. And I'm wondering when you started... To have an interest in space and the sun. A couple of years ago, we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and we listened to a ranger talk about solar flares. 
that got me wondering what actually happened during a solar flare. And also, I have a grandfather that worked on a Mars rover. What? So you have an interest in space in your in your genes. Yep. Very cool. So would you ever want to go to Mars, Colin? Oh, yeah. Get me on that spaceship with a pack of Oreos and I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's all you need. Oreos, a little bit of oxygen, and you're ready. Maybe, maybe a Chipotle burrito. <laughs> as long as you're fed, it'll be fine. Yep. Let's start with the sun basics. The sun is a star, and stars are mega giant balls of burning gas floating in space. That burning gas gives off light and heat. And our sun is just one of billions of billions of stars in the universe. That is a huge amount, a mind-bending number of stars. Our sun is a yellow dwarf star. That means it's a medium-sized star. Not the biggest star in the universe, and not the smallest either. So what makes our sun stand out among all these stars? It's special because it's ours. It's the center of our solar system. That means all the planets like Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, they all circle around or orbit the sun. Picture the sun like the center of a carousel. And the planets are like the painted horses that go round and round it. The gravity of the sun is what causes these bodies to orbit around it. Just the same way the gravity of Earth causes the moon to orbit around us. Now we're all pretty familiar with the eight known planets in our solar system. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. But after 200 episodes, we know our listeners are very creative and we love letting all of you surprise us. So we asked, if you could add another planet to the solar system, what would it be? Here are a few of the planets you dreamed up. My dream planet would be entirely covered in ocean because I am going to learn how to swim this summer. I would add a planet to the solar system that um, like you could jump like 10 feet in the air, which is awesome. My planet is a planet made out of macaroni and cheese. It's called a crazy planet, so you just eat chocolate all day and go crazy and watch screens. And I would, would create a non-messed up second Earth that um, you can go to vacation on and just live a perfect life there. And it would be just all trees and a forest so you could go camping there because I just love camping. There could be other creatures that look exactly like the ones that we have on Earth, but they'd be a little different. And someone could build an archway in space so that we could visit this other planet. And there'd be unicorns and mermaids. If I named a planet, I would call it Titan X. Titans were one of the first Greek giants that roamed the Earth. And X is Roman numerals for 10. Titan X would probably be on the end of our solar system. So I picture it as a black, dark, and cold place. Thanks to Jesse, Luke, Dorothy, Liam, Carson, Jazzy, Penelope, and Aaron for that stellar science fictional look at our solar system. Now, the sun is crucial to life on Earth. Without the sun, there wouldn't be any life. 
We can feel its warmth on our skin and it makes our plants grow, even though it's very, 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 very far away. Which is good because the temperature of the sun is literally millions of degrees. If we were too close, nothing could protect us from that intense energy. And that brings us to the question that inspired this episode. Hi, my name is Fiona and I'm from North Dakota. I was thinking about how spaceships can go to space. Then I wondered, how close can humans get to the sun before they melt? To help us answer this question is Dr. Nicola Fox. She's the director of the Heliophysics Division at NASA. Welcome, Dr. Fox. Thank you so much. How close can humans get to the sun? If we're thinking about um, how close can we get and live happily, then our planet, the Earth, is in exactly the right position. We often refer to the Earth kind of as the Goldilocks planet because it's not too close to the sun, not too far away. It's just in this perfect region where uh, we can actually sustain life. Now, if you're thinking about how close could humans get, as in how close could we send something, then we have our robotic explorers. And so a mission like Parker Solar Probe, which is actually the closest object to ever pass to a star, is going to get as close as 3.9 million miles away from the sun's surface. And that probably sounds a long way away, but the Earth and the sun are 93 million miles away. So if I put the Earth and the sun kind of on a meter scale with the sun at one side and the Earth at the other, Parker Solar Probe would get as close as about four centimeters on that one meter scale. Mm, That perfectly brings us to the next question. I saw that the Parker Solar Probe is trying to touch the sun. How will it do that? So Parker Solar Probe is going right up into the atmosphere of our star. And so if you think about when you see a total solar eclipse in the sky and the moon covers the light from the surface of the sun and we are for once able to see that beautiful hazy atmosphere. And we call that the corona um, because it looks like a crown around the sun. And corona is Latin for for crown. Um, And so we want to go into the atmosphere of of our sun to really understand how it works. And so uh, that's how we do it. We send Parker Solar Probe literally flying through that hazy atmosphere um, that you see during a total solar eclipse. When will it be closest to the sun? So it will be closest to the sun in 2024. We launched Parker Solar Probe in uh, 2018, and Parker uses a series of Venus flybys. So it flies very close to the planet Venus, and it uses the gravity of Venus to kind of just trim its orbit just a little bit. So it's getting closer and closer to the sun. So Parker makes kind of like petal orbits. If you think about it, the petals of a flower goes really close to the sun on one side and then comes out around the orbit of the planet Venus on the other side. And it makes those sort of petal shapes. Each time it can do a close flyby of the planet Venus, those petals get just a little bit smaller. So it gets closer to the sun. What will happen to the solar probe then after it does that closest flyby? It's actually a stable orbit. So even though uh, we can no longer use Venus for for flybys at that point to change the orbit, it will continue to make those petal orbits until we run out of fuel. The one thing, if you look at a picture of Parker Solar Probe, you'll see it's a very distinctive looking spacecraft and it has a big heat shield out in front of the spacecraft and that provides shade 
for all of the instruments and the main body of the spacecraft itself. There's only a couple of things that peep out around that heat shield. So the critical thing when we're close to the sun is keeping that heat shield between solar probe and the sun at all times. Otherwise, you know, we'll burn up. But at some point we will run out of fuel. And so when that happens, we'll no longer be able to puff the thrusters. And so at that point, unfortunately, this the spacecraft will start to turn. And as she turns, very sensitive equipment on the side of the spacecraft will now be in the full illumination of the sun. And so um, sadly, the spacecraft will break up into uh, into pieces, start off breaking up into large pieces, and then gradually they'll get smaller and smaller until um, probably the spacecraft will become dust and will actually um, orbit the sun forever in the corona. It'll just become uh, part of the, the dust of the corona. That's so cool. What is that heat shield made out of that it can protect the probe so well? So the heat shield itself is made of a carbon-carbon composite. It's quite like a graphite epoxy that you would find in a really nice bike or a tennis racket or some golf clubs. And then on the very front facing piece that that looks at the sun there's a plasma sprayed alumina coating and that is a kind of like a whiter than white coating and so that actually reflects a lot of the sunlight away and so it's funny because even though the the corona itself is at about three million degrees and so you think good grief that's really hot but if you're just in that atmosphere it's not very dense it's like it's it's not even as dense as the air here on earth you don't get that many particles that actually couple into the, the heat shield itself. So most of the, the heat we deal with is from the light from the sun because we're so close to it. So the front side of the heat shield gets to about 1400 degrees Celsius or 2500 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but the main body of the spacecraft is at about 30 degrees Celsius or about 80-ish degrees Fahrenheit. So a kind of a, you know, a warm summer's day, even though the heat shield is at those intense temperatures. That's cool. Thanks for answering our questions, Dr. Fox. It was my pleasure. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Brains, brains, brains. And now for something much cooler. It's time for the... Here it is. What is your guess? Well, it sounded like a lot of people were cheering for something. So it's either, for me, it's either a parade or someone watching um, people in a crowd watching a baseball game. Very good guess. We'll give you another chance to guess and we'll hear the answer a little bit later in the show. We're working on an episode to look at how life has changed now that we're in our second pandemic summer. And we want to hear from you. The pandemic has been hard and very challenging, but we want to hear about the moments of joy that you've been able to find. So Colin, what has been a bright spot for you this past year or so? A bright spot for me has been being able to uh, hang out with my pets more because, like I said earlier, I had a cat and during the pandemic we got two giant dogs Wow. But what are you, what kind of dogs are they? Uh, Alaskan Malamutes. What are their names? Well, the boy is Tolak and the girl is Nuka. And how does your cat get along with them? 
Um, well, when we got them, we we used to have, we just kept the cat in my room for the first couple of nights. Mm-hmm. But it's been like since January since we got them. So Blaze is um pretty much friends with the dogs. That's good to hear. Yeah, spending time with pets is definitely a bright spot this past year. I think the animals liked it too. So you can share your answer with us by heading to brainson.org slash contact. And while you're there, you can send us your mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. Like this one. This is Samantha from Eugene, Oregon. My question is, what makes us itch? We'll answer that question during our moment of um, and we'll read the latest group of listeners to be added to the Brains Honor Roll, all at the end of the show. So keep listening. Listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Colin. And I'm Molly. And I'm Bob. And I'm Gungador. We heard you were looking for a topic for your 200th episode. We're actually all set. What about a show about bikes? Bike Centennial! <laughs> well, we're in the middle. Or how about Monster, who used to only know how to fight? But now only want to dance. Both great ideas. Thank, Thank you. you. But we're actually in the middle of taping the episode right now. We chose the sun. Oops. Carry on. Well, thanks for stopping by anyway. Good to see you both. Okay, let's hear from some more of our brilliant listeners and the fantastical planets they dreamed up. If I could name a planet, I would call it Schooltopia. So whenever I was lonely, I could just zip there and I would have friends. And I could learn about space and division. A planet that I would want to add to the solar system is called Puppyopolis. It would be full of cute puppies and I'd get to cuddle them all day long. My dream planet is gonna be filled with unicorns. And my planet is Lego planet. I think it would be cool if it rained cats and dogs. The water would taste like pop and the food would taste like cotton candy. So many different laser tag places that you could go with your friends and play laser tag for free. If I could add an extra planet to our solar system, I would probably add an ocean planet with sandy beaches. And my planet would be half star and half jungle. And the jungle would be home to endless animals. And it would take one year for it to do one full orbit. So Earth would have endless day for one year. Thanks to Hannah, owner, Juno, Jones, Prisha, Ben, Eden, and Silas for sending in those new planet suggestions. So very imaginative. Okay, now we're going to answer the... Now what? It's the sun. She's going live to her fans. Oh, I love her. Quick, let's hop on. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to my weekly webcast, That's Hot, with me, the sun. (laughs) On today's live stream, I'm answering a question one starstruck fan sent me. Hi, my name is Ferguson. I'm from Toronto, Ontario. And my question is, why is it so dark in our space? Because it seems like it's closer to the sun out there. 
I love this question. I've wondered it too. You see, I know I'm the center of the solar system. The world literally revolves around me, but there's something I just can't wrap my head around. I'm this big ball of energy, right? Yet I'm surrounded by infinite, cold, dark space. Make it make sense. To help me out, I invited astronomer Phil Plate from Boulder, Colorado. Phil, welcome. Thanks for having me on. The pleasure is all mine. So, I've been told I light up the room. Heck, I mean, I light up the whole solar system. And if that's the case, why is space so cold and dark? How am I not influencing every corner of the universe? Hey, look, you know, you're really bright and you're really hot and you're out there doing your thing. But we're on Earth and we're a long way away. And so if we're up close to you, then yeah, sure, you're going to be really bright and really hot. But the farther away you get, the less influence you have. And so it starts to get colder and dimmer. There are a lot of stars out there, billions and billions, as some astronomers say. But even though all of these stars are like the sun, and and many of them are even way brighter, they are really, really far away. The sun is a little over 90 million miles away. The closest star to the sun is something like 25 trillion miles away. And at that distance, they get a lot dimmer. So when you see a light source right up in your face, if I take a flashlight and shine it in your eyes, ah, you're going to wince. It's too bright. Ah, stop. My solar retinas. But if I'm a long way off, two, three, 400 yards and shine that flashlight, you'll barely be able to see it. Light gets dimmer with distance. Stars are so far away, they look really dim. Uh, I see. So because I'm so far away from everything, my light isn't able to fill up all that space. That's why space is so dark. But why so frigid? I'm nearly 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. My rays help keep Earth warm. I'm giving them life. How does that work? There are three main ways heat can travel from one place to another. And one is radiation, literally like light. So the sun is warming the earth. It's it's heating the earth up as its light is absorbed by the earth. Another way is conduction. And that's just literally when two objects are touching each other. If one is hotter, it'll heat the other one up. If you go into your freezer and pull out an ice cube, put it in your hand, you're going to feel cold, and that ice cube's going to feel the heat from your hand and melt. You are conducting heat into that ice cube. And another way, a little bit more confusing, is convection. And that's where things are actually physically moving. So like if you blow dry your hair, for example, that's a kind of convection. When you boil water, that's another kind of convection. The the hot water at the bottom of the pot where it's touching the burner will rise up and cool off and then sink again. And that motion is called convection. If you want to conduct heat, you have to touch something. And if you're out in space, there's nothing to touch. So same with convection. You have to move the heat. Something has to move to move that heat around. There's nothing to move it to out in space. So the only way you can transfer heat is by radiation. That checks out. All my friends tell me I radiate good energy. And that light gets absorbed by the Earth, and that warms us up. Oh, so space is cold because it can't conduct or convect heat, not because it has a personal vendetta against my obvious star power. Science. That's hot. 
Phil, thank you for going live with me today. I learned so much. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Time for us to sign off, but I will catch you later, my sunny bunnies. And remember, sunburn is just me hugging you until your skin peels. Bye. Brains on. Molly, after an analysis of the topics you have covered on Brains On during your previous 199 episodes, your 200th episode should be about... Elevators. Elevator, please do not interrupt when I am in the middle... Of a sentence. Harvey, as an omnipresent virtual voice assistant, I thought you could handle anything. Yes, I can handle more than just going up and down. As I was saying, your 200th episode should be about... Elevator, you are not going to interrupt? That would be rude. That is uncharacteristic. Molly, your 200th episode should be about seagulls. But why? Because it's your bicent-tent seagull episode. That's swell, Harvey, but we're actually in the middle of taping an episode about the sun. How did you not know that? Oh, omnipresent one. The taping must have started while I was offline when Mark was installing my new pun generation software. Sorry to interrupt. It's so like Harvey to interrupt your taping. I would never. I understand how important your schedule is. Like that one time when you were recording and we were at Brains yep. On Thanks, Elevator. Bye. Okay, Colin, are you ready to go back to that mystery sound one more time? Yep. All right, here it is again. Oh! <laughs> last time you thought it was a crowd of people cheering. Uh, do you have any new thoughts? Um... I still think it's a crowd of people cheering for, like, a baseball game. Can I give you a little hint? What is... Yeah. The thing that they're cheering is related to our son. Um, maybe they're cheering on a space launch of the um, Parker Probe. Ooh, that's a really good guess. Are you ready for the answer? Yep. So the answer is that they are cheering for... The total solar eclipse oh. that happened in 2017. Wow. Do you remember that eclipse? Yeah. Um, it was during a school day. So a lot of my classmates were out in, like, Nebraska. And, like, there were only, like, a couple actually at school that day. And we spent, like, the whole day, like, outside looking at the solar eclipse. That's so cool because you were not that far from the path of, like, the total eclipse, right? Yeah. The sky was still blue, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't, like, turn to nighttime or anything. But, yeah. like, it was still a really cool experience. Yeah, that, that tape that you just heard was from a solar eclipse party we actually had here um, at Minnesota Public Radio with Brains On fans. And we were wow. we did not see the total, total solar eclipse, but it was still really exciting. People were so excited because it seemed like a cloud was going to block our view of it. But then at the last second, the cloud moved out of the way. So people were... Very, very excited to see this eclipse. 
So they were like cheering on the cloud, like, get out of here, cloud. Exactly. And they're like, yeah, we see you. We saw you, Eclipse. It is a really cool, special thing to see. And there's going to be more total eclipses in the future. The next one we'll be able to see from North America is in April 2024. Besides being super hot, the sun does a lot for humans, plants, and animals. People have thought about the sun and told stories about it for a very long time. Brains on producer Manika Wilhelm asked someone to tell us one of those tales. Hi, Manika. Hello. This is an ancient myth, which means it's very old. People told this story long ago to help explain how the world works in the days before modern telescopes and rockets and satellites. Here to tell it is our storyteller. Hi, my name is Liang Luo. In Chinese, it's Luo Liang. And I'm a professor at the University of Kentucky. I study Chinese um, stories, folk tales, and mythologies. The story she has for us is about how ten suns became just one. And in Chinese, it's called Hou Yi She Ri, literally uh, Hou Yi shoots the sun. The story starts a long time ago when people thought there were ten suns. According to the rules set up by heaven, they should take turns to move from the east to the west, across the highest point of the sky. It's like they should be on duty one after another and um, have just enough heat and light for the day and for the uh, growing of crops. This parade of ten suns, one after the other, did a great job of keeping the earth warm and bright. But the suns, they were a little mischievous. They wanted to have some fun. Whee! Yay! Woohoo! So one day, they came out to play all at once. So ten songs are in the sky. Sun party! Yeah! Yay, sun party! Yay! With all ten suns out at the same time, it was suddenly way too hot for the people and plants on Earth. Some water, please? phew it is hot! My crops! They're drying out! Things couldn't go on like this. Luckily, there was someone who could help. You called for me? Ho Yi, this great archer, he shoots an arrow with a bow. I do very well. See? Bullseye. At first, Ho Yi tried talking to the sons. Uh, hey, sons, can we talk? He went to persuade them, ask them to go back. People are suffering on Earth. But the sons didn't listen. So Hoi decided to take action with his bow and arrow. He was incredibly good at shooting arrows with great aim. He was fairly strong, so he could even reach the sun. He's the only one on Earth who could do that, right? I'm blushing, but she's right. I'm great at shooting arrows. So he shoots the bow and the arrow flies to uh, hit the sun. Ho Yi's arrows flew through the sky, into the heavens, and hit one of the suns, pulling it out of the sky. And according to Chinese mythology, inside each sun is a golden crow with three legs. So whenever he hits one, it's not the sun that, that's falling down from the sky. It is a three-legged golden crow that's falling from the sky. Heads up! 
Hoi shoots arrows at nine of the suns, one by one. And he's about to hit the last one. When someone stops him, they tell him not to hit that last sun. He understands that our Earth needs the sun for、um, the heat and the warmth,、uh, for the crops to grow, for us to have food on the table. So he stopped, and one sun was saved, and that is the sun we still have today. And that's the tale of Ho Yi shoots the sun. There are myths about the sun from all around the world, like the story of Ra, the Egyptian sun god, or the Maori tale of Maui capturing the sun. The sun is so important to us here on Earth that lots of cultures have sun gods and spirits. Before we end this episode, Mark, Sand, and Manika, and I want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Without you, there would not be 200 episodes of Brains On. Yeah, just like the sun powers life on Earth, you power the show with your questions and mystery sounds and ideas. You inspire us with your curiosity every single day. Nothing makes us happier than hearing from you. If you're feeling like you want to commemorate this 200th episode, we would love to see a drawing of what you imagine it looks like when we're making a show. Don't forget to include the best part of every episode: the co-host. Why not draw yourself as the co-host? And don't forget me, Bob. I'd love to see a drawing of myself.、Uh, I just ask that you go easy on the nose hair. And Gungador doing patented pirouette spin kick. I am a disembodied software, but that should not keep you from including me. You know what's easier than drawing a virtual voice assistant? An elevator. Put me in there too. Whatever you want to draw, we'd love to see it. You can send it to us by heading to brainson.org/contact. You can also find our physical mailing address. We love getting letters in the mail at brainson.org/about. And thank you again for everything. Thank、T-H-A-N-K-Y-U. you. T H A N K Y U. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. High five. High five all the way around. Thank you so thank much. You so You're the best. Like a hug we really, really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. You're the best. We love you. Thank you. Are our favorite. The sun is a middle-sized star that our planet orbits around. We exist thanks to this beautiful star. Scientists are studying the sun with a space probe that will orbit around its atmosphere. Even though the sun is so hot and bright, space is cold and dark because there is nothing there for the sun to warm or light up. The sun is so important to life on Earth that cultures all over the world have special stories about it. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Sandin Totten, Mark Sanchez, Manika Wilhelm, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Ruby Guthrie, Kunsang Dorji, and Christina Lopez. Engineering help from Alex Simpson, Johnny Vincevans, and Evan Perkins. Special thanks to Julie Perry, Eric Ringham, Sam Chu, John Miller, Nora McInerney, Vicky Kreckler, Sam Rounds, and Alex Flood. Brains On is a non-profit public radio program. You can support the show at brainson.org/fans. There you can find links to donate or join our free fan club or check out our Brains On merch. 
We now have Brains On shirts, baseball hats, and face masks. And you can buy the Brains On book there, too. That's brainson.org slash fans. And now, before we go, it's time for the moment of um... What makes us itch? I've always wondered the same thing, and that's why I decided to study it. Hi, my name is Sonali Molly, and I study why we itch and what makes us itch, and why sometimes an itch doesn't stop. The kinds of things that can cause itch can be chemicals that might be coming from plants and insects. They can also be chemicals that are released by our immune cells to tell us to experience itch. Or they can be something like a light touch or an itchy sweater. Itching is useful because our sensation of itch serves as this really important warning system for us. And it tells our brain, okay, look, there's something here that we don't want here. And so we're going to do a behavior, in this case, scratching, in order to remove it and draw attention to it and be able to detect things that we might not even see or hear, but we can feel in our skin. Almost all animals experience itch and will scratch. And so mice can experience itch and they'll scratch. Even fish are thought to be able to experience itch. And when you put on an itchy compound, the fish will actually go and rub against the side of the fish tank to try to um, relieve that itch. And there's one more thing that might be able to make you itch. And so we call this contagious itch where Seeing someone scratch or hearing somebody talk about an itch can make you want to scratch as well. Maybe if you're listening, uh, you don't even realize it, but you're feeling a little itchy and you've, you've scratched yourself. Um, um, um. I'm itching to hear this list. It's the Brain's Honor Roll. These are the incredible listeners who've kept us going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Alexis from Vicenza, Italy, Jillian from Watertown, Massachusetts, Sonia from Alameda, California, Isla from Juneau, Alaska, Nama Ama from Maple, Oregon, Benjamin from Lincoln, Nebraska, Naisha and Yash from New Jersey, Marilyn from Yucca Valley, California, Dylan from Baltimore, Margot and Nora from Asheville, North Carolina, Aubrey and Santi from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Lincoln from Texas, Abigail from Arizona, Joseph from Heron, Illinois, Madison from South Carolina, Lucas from Washington, D.C., Chloe, Liam and Ella from Lincoln, Nebraska, Lucia from Portland, Oregon, Mirabelle from Rivervale, New Jersey, Mia from Redmond, Washington, Nikita from Flower Mound, Texas, Stella, Violet, Hazel, B, and Nora from Amory, Wisconsin, Ariella from Sterling, Virginia, Dahlia from Minneapolis, James from Boston, Quinn from Minneapolis, Nathaniel and Elijah from Kanaohe, Hawaii, Lottie from Warrington, United Kingdom, Mina from Olympia, Washington, Aliyah from Kona, Hawaii, Wyatt from Nashville, Charlie from Cleveland, Oscar from Melbourne, Australia, Zach from Chaska, Minnesota, Lauren from Hong Kong, Tegan from Minneapolis, Samara from San Francisco, Laura from Woodbury, Minnesota, Dewey from Coralville, Iowa, Elodie from Washington, Connecticut, Jasmine from Brisbane, Australia, Iona from Washington, D.C., Hayden from Evansville, Indiana, Angelica from Vancouver, Quentin and Evie from San Francisco, Max from Tacoma, Washington, Donovan and Ben from Castleton on Hudson, New York, Riley, Autumn, and Ellie from Baxter, Ontario, Luna from Brooklyn, New York, Sana and Aaron from San Francisco, Keaton from Hurricane, Utah, Madeline from Downey, California, Yates and Louise from Austin, Texas, Kaylin and Jackson from Trussville, Alabama, Adrian from Gurragon, 
India, James from Ridgefield, Washington, Seba from Minneapolis, Jasper from Atlanta, Michael from Rialto, California, Anatolia and Theodore from Chicago, Anushka from Perth, Australia, Tiernan and Kestrel from Lyons, Colorado, Lane from Richmond, Virginia, Sophia from Oakville, Ontario, Quincy and Thatcher from Eagle River, Alaska, Leah from Jupiter, Florida, Vivian from Fort Collins, Colorado, Peyton from Miami Beach, Florida, Owen from Oak Park, Illinois, Lulu from Vancouver, Beverly and Miriam from Los Angeles, Eddie Marie from El Salvador, Paige and Charlotte from Dunedin, New Zealand, Alice from Cincinnati, Ava from Menlo Park, California, and Natalie from Arkansas. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.